You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff Ellis of the Locked On Indians podcast. Today's show, we're going to dive into more of the ESPN Top 10s. We'll start off with some news off the in front of the podcast this time, so we in the second half of the show. Uh, so the first piece of news, let's dive into, I made my guess that no one would be mentioned in right field for the Cleveland Indians in the ESPN article. I was correct. So that doesn't need any correction or change. Uh, we had Anthony Goose reassigned to the Lake County cap site. So he is there. Uh, there are 41 players remaining in the pull progressive field. That means that there will be, uh, 11 more to get sent over to that Lake County, the alternate uh, site. Ghost has a fantastic arm. He is older. Uh, you know, this is someone who first made to the majors as an outfielder. You know, really interesting prospect. The kind of reverse Rick Ankiel, lesser version in both areas, I guess. But, uh, you know, he's 29. He is a lefty. He throws really, really hard. Former second round pick. And we'll see what happens. Uh, there's not a lot of lefties with his velocity. Last year, you know, no one could hit him, but he did walk uh, a lot of guys. He also struck out a lot of guys. We'll have to see. He's a developmental arm. They've liked what they've seen, though, in both camps. So, Ghost reassigned. Uh, Former friend alert, Joe Smith. It's sounding like Joe Smith uh, is going to opt out of the 2020 season, uh, citing health concerns for himself and his family. Uh, This is a big hit for the Houston Astros. And why is this a big hit? Because the Astros already lost, you know, uh, Garrett Cole in free agency. They traded away what was left of their prospect pool um, before uh, the end of last season when they added Zach Greinke to the team. You look at their pitching in general, you know, they lost, um, why am I blanking on the reliever that they lost in free agency who was just such a solid, steady guy for them for so long. My mind is shutting down. But you look at right now their starting rotation uh, Verlander, who had some uh, injury issues. Lance McCullers, who's coming back from, I believe, Tommy John. You got Zach Granke. Uh, probably, I would think, Jose Uruguay would be, once he can finally report to camp, would make it. He has not been able to do that yet. Uh, he pitched for them uh, last year in the postseason. The fifth spot, maybe Austin Pruitt, but he's had uh, elbow inflammation. He was a player they got from... Tampa, after Tampa made a series of moves. Josh James is a name that has come up for them repeatedly as a, a fifth starter from Bear Valdez. Uh, these are not great options. They're struggling to get a five-man rotation. Joe Smith isn't a starter. I know this. You know, they have Roberto Osuna. Ryan Presley was, was good a year ago. Uh, Chris Davinsky has regressed from where he was. And the rest of the pen is really... Uh, undefined there's a lot of who knows you know Brian Abreu's a guy who has a big arm you know he's a top prospect for them maybe he comes in and works there Brad Peacock has gotten a lot of choices over the years a lot of choices a lot of chances I mean Josh Smith was arguably going to be their their eighth inning guy like that was it he was going to be their eighth inning guy Will Harris that was reliever I could not think of that uh got away. And that's the thing. I mean, you look at this team, they lost Hector Rondon. They re-signed Joe Smith, but to a two-year contract, but now they don't have him for next year. Uh, Colin McHugh signed with Boston. 
Will Harris went to Washington. Wade Miley they lost. Garrett Cole they lost. So they lost a lot of pitching. And yes, I mean, Forrest Whitley, we assume, will probably get a chance to step in at some point uh, this year. It seems very likely. Christian Javier is an interesting pitcher. Brandon Balak, uh, Bilak, another one of those Notre Dame guys who has played much better after he left Notre Dame. Uh, you know, they, they have some young, unproven guys. But they are in a situation, I mean, losing Joe Smith is another blow to a team that's already lost so much pitching. And, you know, the, their big pitching addition this offseason, one could argue, was Austin Pruitt, who's hurt. Um, it's going to be interesting to see. Uh, they're a team that still has depth. I mean, their bench... I really like Abraham, Abraham Toro. Uh, Almeida's Diaz, I thought would be uh, a great. I thought he's a great get for them a year ago. I thought he would kind of fill into that role um, that had previously been held by Marwin Gonzalez. Uh, it didn't quite come together, but I still think you know there's some potential there. It's a they have a really strong team. I mean, Kyle Tucker is right now listed as their DH because Jordan Alvarez isn't in camp. Uh, Hitting-wise, they still have some guys that could trade some moves to be made. I also big Miles Straw fan here. So I'll be curious to see at what point they can maybe flip some of this hitting for some pitching uh, and see what team they can talk to because they're going to have to make trades. Something's going to come together. They're going to have to figure something out. Uh, I don't know. You know, it's like Josh Reddick, I believe, is the final year of his deal. Maybe they can move him to a team that's looking to compete. Um, if an injury arises and they can move someone else around, try to get pitching, I don't know. It's going to be, like I said, it's going to be an interesting year to watch. It's going to be a lot of intermoving parts. But Houston Astros, a team that got weaker in the offseason, just got pretty significantly weaker today, and that's why I wanted to talk about that. And then I also had to mention uh, another former Houston Astro. Let's just bring it in. I really liked Tyler White when he was coming up through their system. I thought he was this, he's a Western Carolina 33rd round pick, and I thought he was going to be something. Uh, 2016, he got an opportunity and it didn't come together. And then 2017, he was awesome for them. And 2018, he was awesome for them. And 2019, he was not good for them or the Dodgers. And I bring this up because the recent news is that he is going to sign over in Japan. Uh, I hope he hits well over there, proves me right, and comes back. You know, we've seen multiple players. You've seen that pathway back become a lot more common. Uh, wasn't always the case. I always think about Matt Merton who was a former top prospect, I want to say, of the Cubs, who went over there and uh, to Japan and just started being a monster offensively, but then never got that opportunity to come back. Uh, he left in at age 27 in 2009 and then just you know proceeded to have uh, some really strong numbers over the years there, some OPSs over 800. Never a big home run guy, but uh, I always thought he'd get an opportunity, and it just never came together, and... He spent 2016, 2017 actually in the minors back in uh, the United States. But it's nice to see that players can go there, kind of get that opportunity to prove themselves and come back. So Tyler White, name to keep uh, keep an eye on. And, you know, he's not the only guy. Uh, talk about Carter Stewart a few years ago. He's still over there playing uh, the former, what, was he a top 10 pick with the Braves? Was he the 10th overall pick? And we'll see if Japan gets active signing some of these young players because they couldn't go in the draft. I'm still curious to see how much Japan and Korea try to trade, trade, try to raid the uh, young talent that uh, just didn't get an opportunity to go pro because there was less opportunities with the shortened draft. I still think that is something we will see. Okay, you know, I like to dive into all those numbers and kind of look at all of these teams. 
just because, especially when you're talking about a team, you know, like the Astros, I think that's going to be direct competition. I think the Indians' best chance is probably a wild card. When you're looking at teams, again, the Astros, the White Sox, the Tampa Bay Rays, this feels to me like kind of the top-end wild card contenders along with the Cleveland Indians. We will have to wait and see. But that's at least where I sit, and that is why, you know, I like to kind of dig into those rosters when I get those opportunities on the podcast. Uh, one last piece of news. I think you, Chen Chang, went yard again yesterday. So I hope you listened to the podcast where I talked about him. He is making it harder and harder every day for him to not at least make that first cut to 30. So we started the ESPN Top 10 ranks, and we got through the entire outfield. We talked some of it with the pitching, first base and catcher. So let's just continue to move across the diamond, and let's talk about second base. Now, Cesar Hernandez was not ranked in the top 10, but he did garner a mention. Uh, Tito's seen enough to like him to put him in that uh, leadoff spot. Last year was a a big change for him. He had been much better in his previous years uh, compared to the performance last year. If nothing else, you're getting a solid second baseman who it is hard to not improve what they got out of second base the past few years because Jason Kipnis just ran into a wall. It is interesting to see that according to the Fangraph's power rank, uh, just in terms of overall production and things like that that they do that he ranked in the top 100 uh hitters so you know that's higher than a roberto perez and oscar mercado uh, domingo santana tyler naquin he's ranked higher than fran mo reyes now again this is a guy who a few years ago probably would have been considered one of the top 10 second basemen in baseball he is age 30 he was designated for assignment it is a limited profile you're not going to get much power but you're hoping for on-base skills with above average defense uh, good contact rate in the past we'll see what he can do if he recovers uh, and has a strong year maybe you're hoping that uh, you you're not going to give him the qualifying offer so you're just hoping he recovers has a strong year and that buys you some time as you figure out what they're going to do long term at second base I do not think Jose Ramirez is going to move back to that position I think Jose Ramirez is a third baseman going forward so that second base position, you know, if Tyler Freeman can really put it together this year, does he maybe move into that position? Do they consider another player? I think Nolan Jones is probably shifting to first or outfield long term because, again, Jose Ramirez seems to like third. It's a position he's used to. It's a position he handles well. And last year, or two years ago, I should say, he started to have that wear down when they shift him to second base for team need. Didn't play as well there, and then that seemed to carry over into the next season. And he kind of said, you know, that he likes third. So I think that... You're probably looking for a long-term replacement. I don't know who that is in system outside of, you're probably hoping Tyler Freeman. Uh, He would have started the year in high A, would have gotten up to double A. Could be a situation where, you know, maybe someone like Yu Chen Chang or Christian Arroyo would have proven themselves enough to start next year at that. And you're probably looking at Freeman as like a mid-season slash past the the chance of Super 2 status call up if uh, one wants to be cynical. But second base is a long-term issue for the Indians. They have options, but it is certainly an unsettled situation. Hernandez, he's your short-term guy. He's second base for this year. I don't know who it's going to be next year. I think it's probably going to be a stopgap, and you're hoping it's one of those younger guys until I think Freeman kind of moves in, and I know what you're thinking. Well, then who plays shortstop? Well, we'll have to see what happens. Uh through things like the Lindor trade, which does feel inevitable at this point. But speaking about that, let's talk about shortstop. Number one shortstop in baseball, Francisco Lindor. And is anyone else having, like, LeBron flashbacks? Like, that's what I kind of feel like. I feel like every time I talk with anyone who is a 
uh, from another fan base or, you know, a team that has a chance to contend. That's all they want to talk about is, uh, well, you think this plus this would get us the door? And the answer is always no, because it's always like their third and fifth best prospects and then a guy on an expiring contract. Uh, it's like, yeah, Jack Peterson's a talented player, but he, he's a rental. Like, you can almost give away a, a guy like Jack Peterson right now. And frankly, they kind of tried to um, immediately after their uh, Mookie Betts deal and it fell apart. Now, uh, Peterson's probably their DH, but it's just been a lot of deals like that that we've seen kind of floated around out there when I talk with people. And it's obvious to see why you'd want Lindor, right? Like, he's entering his prime seasons. He is going to stay the top shortstop in baseball for a while looking at a player with 40 home run potential switch hitter and one of the top three defenders at shortstop i was playing a otp i picked up the latest edition in the uh, steam summer sale for half off and 27 years four days before uh, this is at the at the end of the 2020 season a full season for him if i pull up the stats of what they were projecting him to do in 2020 in 158 games he hit 328 388 on base 586 slugging a 9.3 war an ops plus of 152 stole 40 bases hit 40 home runs he is that potential 40 40 guy while playing elite defense at one of the positions that uh, is the most demanding in baseball and one of the ones the teams always are trying to find a spot to fill he is also a team leader. He is one of the faces of the game. And, you know, he'll be, what, 28 years old when he hits free agency? It's just, he's a fantastic talent. And what is his valuation? What do you do? How do you figure it out? I don't know. When you get right down to it with him, again, this is an extremely elite talent. This is a guy who's going to just continue putting up Hall of Fame stats. You're trading a potential Hall of Famer at one of the premier positions in the game who has no negatives to him. What's the negative? What is the knock? The one year where he missed a month, he still played 143 games. He's been durable. He's a switch hitter. He does it all. Uh, Again, you know, I talked about in the one podcast, I think the Diamondbacks would be the most interesting team to look at uh, after they went out and traded for Marte, added... Madison Bumgarner. They've put together an interesting team for now, and they have Nick Ahmed, who is probably a better defensive shortstop than Lindor. Don't get mad at me, but, uh, you know, when you're looking at Ahmed and Andrelton Simmons, those are the only other guys kind of up there in that tier. Javi Baez, you're looking at probably those four guys. And Ahmed is locked up long term and could handle the shortstop position extremely well and just kind of bat at the bottom of the lineup and be a slightly suboptimal bat. It's a drop off. No matter what you do, it's going to be a drop-off. When you have the best shortstop in baseball, you're going to have a drop-off when you move him. It's it's unavoidable. Uh, he is probably going to be like one of those all-decade team shortstops. Like, he is the shortstop. There's no other way around it. Uh, if you're curious, at the end of the year uh, of 2020, I went to offer him a contract just to see what it would cost. And his demanded game was 10 years, $55 million per that's right, $55 million a year. Uh, I don't see that actually happening, but that was enough to make me be like, okay, we're going to trade you now. Uh, I can't, uh, there's no reason to wait. Uh, I haven't figured out a trade yet. Looked at a few teams, a few offers in game, but it is just, you know, using that simulation to kind of come back and look at it. If you were curious too about the Indians in 2020, the 
this was me getting to run it how I want on hard difficulty and you know making a few trades here and there to supplement the pen in particular. But they lost in the uh, ALCS in six games to the New York Yankees. So who then got crushed by the Dodgers? Uh, I think it was like five or you know four one or something like that. But Lindor was a big part of that. Uh, second in second highest WAR in the American League behind Trout. And I mean that could very easily happen. He could be that second most productive hitter in baseball. Uh, it sucks. You know, it really sucks. There's no other way to put it. As an Indians fan, and I can understand if you just get tired of this happening. You know, as a person who just recently turned 39, it's like we've seen so many talented players leave, and every time it is crushing. Every time it is crushing to just have great, great players develop them, and you can't, in baseball, you can't keep them. You know, in the NBA, you can offer the max amount of money, you can keep that top player. In the NFL, you have that ability to do it. Now, I am a player-first type of guy more often than not. Um, but man, there's times where a salary cap would seem nice, right? Like the ability to actually keep your players um, while also pushing up a salary floor, it's never going to happen. The only time that could have possibly come was in the 90s. They survived every other team going to a cap system, every other league, I should say. But it hurts. I mean, baseball is set up where the elite of the elite are rarely going to stay uh, at home. I mean, Boston traded Mookie Betts because Betts wouldn't sign any contract. He wanted to hit free agency. Heck, Boston might re-sign Betts and bring him back, but he felt like, from what I read, that it was an obligation to hit free agency and see how much he could get. Lindor has been playing the free agent game from the moment he came to Cleveland. Uh, there were offers, from what I understand, like at the end of the first season, we came out and overperformed. You know, if you forget, in that first year, he played in 99 games, 313 average, uh, 12 home runs, 358 on base, 489 slugging, 128 OPS plus. Next year, he played in 158 games, and his OPS plus regressed to 115. Yeah, that's that's his regression. That is his worst season. Uh, he has been fantastic every single year. They tried to offer him an extension until it was just obvious that it was never going to happen. And, you know... I, Saying enjoy him while you can is just a crappy thing to do. And one of those moments where I switched from like a uh, stan for Dolan to someone who just hopes that someday uh, we get an owner who has some money to spend. Because the minute Sherman went to Kansas City and John Sherman has done some great things in Kansas City, he has looked like a stand-up dude. He said they're not cutting minor leaguers. He is paying everyone and no owner is in a worse financial situation than John Sherman because, you know, he just spent close to a billion dollars to buy the Royals. But the minute Sherman left is when we've seen these salaries go backwards every year and has made something like signing Frankie Lindor impossible. And after this season, we're probably see even more uh, salary regression, unfortunately, just because this is not going to be a very profitable year. Uh, you know, maybe someday we'll see the books and see what it really looks like. But yeah, Frankie Lindor, it's a LeBron situation all over again. We're just going to sit here and wait and wait and discuss it until it happens. The Indians aren't going to sell cheap either. They're going to wait, see what they can get. But he is a star player at a star position who is probably, once he hits free agency, we haven't had a free agent kind of of his level. I mean, in terms of hitters, in a very, very long time. It's almost A-Rod level. And I know there's someone out there going, Manny Machado. Machado had had a down year two years before free agency. When we talk about third baseman tomorrow... He doesn't even make the top 10 list. Like, he's done some great things in his career, 
But there were a lot of concerns with Manny Machado before Manny Machado uh, got that contract. And since then, I mean, I think San Diego might regret that contract to a small degree. So we will have to wait and see. But the Indians have the top shortstop. We'll talk about third base. That is a fascinating one just because it's hard to judge Jose Ramirez after an incredibly uneven year a year ago. Um, But he does get ranked in the top 10. We'll discuss who's ahead of him tomorrow. We'll talk about some of the other names. And we'll just talk about Jose and his future in general with Cleveland. But uh, shortstop, it's hard. It's just, it stinks. There's no other way to put it than it stinks. We have one of the greatest players of my lifetime playing shortstop. Someone who you can put up there with Lou Boudreaux for the greatest shortstop of all time in Cleveland Indians history in terms of what he is doing. And if we're lucky, we get 60 games of him this year. There's no way they don't trade him this offseason. So if we're not lucky, we get a month of Frankie Lindor, a month and a half, basically, uh, before he moves on. And no matter what, no matter the return, it's not going to be enough. I mean, I'll probably get on here and talk about, because the Indians do well in trades, about what is a fantastic return. But it is impossible to get a return that is enough when you're trading basically the soul of your franchise. And they're stuck trading the soul of their franchise because uh, it's an ownership group that will not pay him and will never pay and every year has asked that the salaries get cut even though they had a core that could win which that to me is the infuriating thing from now to the end of time if they wanted to run super cheap in like four years if they wanted to burn it all to the ground and make a ton of money off of bad teams for a few years but kept the payroll up and actually go for it in these years where they had cores that you know Last four years, those cores were better than any, it's better than the 90s core teams to me because you had this mix of high up ceiling, high ceiling pitching along with having, you know, three or four of the best, you know, 15 hitters in baseball, maybe just two of the top 15, but then other really strong supplementary hitters in those lineups as well. I mean, Michael Brantley, Francisco Lindor, and Jose Ramirez, when those guys were peaked together, that's that's about as good of a one, two, three as any team had. And then you combine it with the pitching they had and the fact that they could not... I mean, I'm thankful they went all in for Edwin, but they kind of learned their lesson there with his age relative to production, and that's why I think, you know, Santana is not kept at the end of this year. But, you know, this opportunity has come, and it looks like that door is closing slash closed, and we will have to see. Sorry to end on such a sad note, but when we talk about Frankie Lindor, I can't help but get a little depressed just because... You know, very quickly, I'm going to have to somehow get used to sharing him with another team. He's always going to be a Cleveland Indian in my heart, but uh, he will now be an Indian plus something else before the season is done, is my thought. Thank you for listening. I have been Jeff Ellis. You can find me on Twitter at JeffMLBDraft. You can find my Facebook page uh, where I also will get back to you. You can message me on there. Questions and comments for the show are appreciated. Things I can talk about on the show are always a great uh, way to help come up with ideas, especially when we don't have games yet. Uh, But as always, I thank you, the fans. You make this show work. You make it possible. And you have done so much for me over the years in terms of writing those reviews, downloading, listening. Um, I do thank you from the bottom of my heart. And for now... As I typically always say, go tribe.